ending his uh, in, in ending his uh, uh, Catskill review of books. Um, our program committee and director made a decision to add some really wonderful LGBT programming at this uh, this point in our in our weekday. Uh, so uh, three times uh, three times a month, you get this way out from Pacifica, uh, a review of LGBT uh, LGBTQ plus uh, related news issues and reviews. And then uh, once a month, also, you get Outcasting, a wonderful program, uh, a youth-driven LGBTQ program that we get uh, as well. This, uh, this commitment to bringing the community voices together, to bringing uh, voices that you won't hear anywhere else on the dial and uh, won't hear anywhere else locally uh, to your community radio station is a mission we take very seriously at WJFF. Um, this particular uh, spot is new for us. Uh, we uh, want to hear your comments. Let us know what you think about uh, this program um, or uh, or outcasting, and also let us know if there's other things that uh, you know that are pertinent to this community that should be added as well. Eight four five four eight two four one four one. I do want to thank Anonymous in Barryville who called in during uh, the last half hour and made a gift of support as well. And thanks to that person, we are now under thirty five th- under thirty five hundred dollars to go in the entire fund drive. Eight four five four eight two four one four one. As I mentioned earlier, every gift is getting us closer. We're really looking at the milestone of two thousand dollars. Uh, we need to get to that point with just two thousand dollars to go. So right now we're just less than fifteen hundred dollars away from it. What can you do to help cut that down? Well, give us a gift of support. Eight four five four eight two four one four one. And at any amount, right now uh, we're getting that close. So every gift, uh, no matter the amount, really counts. Eight four five four eight two four one four one. Let's give go to this way out. But please, let's keep your gifts of support coming at WJFF. Thousand celebrants turned out on October twenty sixth. That's far more than last year's one hundred thirty thousand. The advent of marriage equality probably bolstered the attendance. In May, Taiwan's government became the first in Asia to open civil marriage to gay and lesbian couples. There are drawbacks, however. The new laws created a separate category for same-gender couples. They also don't include provisions for transnational marriages or adoption. Nevertheless, the Ministry of the Interior reports that more than 2,100 marriages of same-gender couples have been registered in Taiwan through the month of September. Lesbian couples outnumbered gay male couples by more than two to one. The South China Morning Post counted parade contingents from more than 220 groups that came from around the world. Add to that some 30 local and multinational companies. Delegations from Australia, the European Union, the United Kingdom, France, Belgium, and the U.S. joined the colorful three and a half mile procession. Thousands waved rainbow flags. Over-the-top floats delighted onlookers, as did a wide array of drag queens, of course. Some dressed as Pikachu and other cosplay characters. The Morning Post described young men wearing nothing more than the skimpiest of shorts. The parade's theme was "Together Make Taiwan Better." Banners and posters stressed that voting in the presidential election would further solidify the rights that have been gained. Other banners expressed support for the pro-democracy street protests in Hong Kong. Days of demonstrations erupted in Panama City this week. LGBTQ people have been in the streets with students, labor unions, and other progressive groups. The LGBTQ protesters are there specifically because of proposed constitutional revisions in the Central American country. The changes have already cleared a first vote in the National Assembly.
One provision constitutionally defines marriage as for heterosexuals only, a clear violation of an Inter-American Court of Human Rights ruling. Its November 2017 order required the civil institution of marriage to be open to queer couples throughout the region, and that includes Panama. Panama's constitution specifically states that its provisions cannot contradict the American Convention on Human Rights. That convention was the basis for the Inter-American Court's marriage equality ruling. Dozens of mostly young protesters have already been arrested. Police were pelted with rocks and bottles during some of the frequent scuffles. Protesters were dispersed with tear gas. A few demonstrators broke windows at the headquarters of the ruling Democratic Revolutionary Party. While all of that was happening in the streets, Panamanian National Assembly Deputy Jairo Salazar Ramirez was making his own headlines. Protesters, including LGBTQ activists, tried to enter the legislative palace. Ramirez was caught on camera saying, We already said no to gay marriage. We will not let them in. A reporter challenged him, saying, They are Panamanians. Ramirez replied, No, they are gay and they cannot come in. Those remarks were quickly denounced in a statement from Ramirez's own Democratic Revolutionary Party. A few days earlier, Ramirez had bragged that a large group of evangelicals he met with was very pleased with us for defending the hetero-only marriage statute. He assured his Facebook followers that he is not homophobic. He claims that his comments were taken out of context. Panama's president, Laurentino Cortizo, indicated that he and the panel working on the draft would be open to changes. Some provisions may be eliminated. According to the news outlet La Prensa, it's thought that Cortizo was referencing the article that defines civil marriage as between a man and a woman. However, the president did not specifically say that. The proposed constitutional revisions require a second passage in the National Assembly and then approval in a voter referendum. At least two marriage equality cases have languished without resolution in Panama's Supreme Court of Justice. U.S. President Donald Trump continues to roll back virtually every progressive LGBTQ rights advance made under the Obama administration. On November 1st, the blow came from the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS. A new rule allows HHS-funded adoption and foster parenting agencies to reject applications from same-gender couples on the basis of religious freedom. Other programs affected by the change include Head Start, Refugee Resettlement, HIV Services, and programs for seniors and homeless youth. Mara Kiesling of the National Center for Transgender Equality warned that the new rules would allow health care providers to use religious to justify discrimination against transgender patients. Federally funded agencies were forbidden from discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity under the Obama-era policy. A statement from Trump's HHS argues that it's important to nullify that policy because it imposed regulatory burden and created a lack of predictability and stability for the department and stakeholders with respect to these provisions, viability and enforcement. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and the far-right Family Research Council are applauding the new rules. LGBTQ rights groups are unanimous in their condemnation. Julie Cruz is the director of federal policy at Family Equality. In her words, it is outrageous that the Trump administration would mark the start of National Adoption Month by announcing a rule to further limit the pool of loving homes available to America's 440,000 foster children. Human rights campaign president Alfonso David called it unconscionable that the Trump-Pence administration would prioritize advancing discrimination over the well-being of vulnerable people and expect taxpayers to foot the bill for their discriminatory policies. The new rules are subject to public comment for 30 days after they are officially published in the Federal Register. 
However, the HHS announcement states that the Obama-era anti-discrimination protections are already not being enforced. Here's a first for Latin America: an out lesbian has become mayor of a major city. Leftist former senator Claudia Lopez won election in Colombia's capital Bogota. Lopez promises to combat corruption and advance the rights of minorities. She also wants to put more cops on the streets, end child labor, and create better educational opportunities for people over the age of 45. Lopez is also Bogota's first female chief executive. The power of the capital's mayor is widely considered to be second only to that of Colombia's president. Ivan Duque Marquez holds that office now. He is a protege of former President Alvaro Uribe, a man Lopez once described as a leech running to the sewer. Marquez's cool congratulations said simply, "For the good of Bogota and that of all of its citizens, I wish Claudia Lopez the best in her management as mayor." The 49-year-old former journalist has been a fierce enemy of corruption and a climate change combatant. Lopez's partner is bisexual Senator Angelica Lozano Correa. They were photographed kissing following the announcement of her win. Bogota's mayor-elect told her jubilant victory party, "This is the day of the woman. We united, we won, and we made history." In queerly related news, the son of Argentina's president-elect Alberto Fernandez is a rising star in the country's drag scene. Twenty-four-year-old Estanislao goes by the stage name Daisy. He's already a famous figure in the Buenos Aires queer community. According to press reports, Estanislao works at an insurance company by day, takes classes in design, and lives with his girlfriend. In a radio interview, the president-elect described his son as one of the most creative persons in my life. In that world, which I don't know much about, he seems to be respected and very recognized. The elder Fernandez went on to say, "I feel proud for my son. My son is a rights activist in that community. He is a great man." Alberto Fernandez is a relative newcomer to politics. The center-left president-elect ousted conservative incumbent Mauricio Macri. According to the BBC, Fernandez inherits an economic crisis that has left a third of Argentina's population in poverty. Finally, here's the latest salvo in what Pink News calls an all-out war against fast food chain Chick-fil-A. The Scottish LGBTQ group Highland Pride is entering the fray. Protests at the company's first UK outlet in England pushed its landlord to decide against renewing the franchisee's provisional six-month lease. Then the chicken sandwich maker quietly opened an outlet at the McDonald Aviemore Resort in the Scottish Highlands with little notice. Until now, Highland Pride sent a sharply worded letter to parent company McDonald Hotels condemning their hosting an eatery with an atrocious anti-LGBTQ track record. The Atlanta-based fast food chain has a well-documented history of giving millions of dollars to anti-queer groups and programs. The letter goes on to ask if McDonald management was aware of Chick-fil-A's notorious homophobia before they agreed to lease space to them. At last report, the hotelier has yet to respond. An online petition demanding that the Chick-fil-A at the Aviemore Resort be shuttered is also gathering steam. It reads in part: Scotland is a progressive, welcoming, and inclusive country, and businesses in the Highlands should be too. That's News Wrap: Global Queer News with Attitude for the week ending November second, twenty nineteen. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian DeShazer, recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles, and brought to you by you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out Radio YouTube channel. For This Way Out, I'm Wenzel Jones, and I'm Laura Dickinson Turner. 
I'm Stephen Fry. I'm Daryl Stevens. I'm Cleve Jones. We are the three And you are listening to This Way Out. This Way Out. This Way Out. The international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities. And those who love them. An informed community is a strong community. From Philadelphia to New York City, coming up on the Rainbow Minute. Or from polite pickets to pride parades, later in the program. A world without labels? If This Way Out Queer Life and Literature commentator Janet Mason has any hope for such a world, she gets some inspiration from Tamsin Wolf's novel, Juno's Swans. I don't usually think of myself as an optimist, but in reading Juno's Swans by Tamsin Wolf, published by Europa Editions, I began to think of myself as something close to an optimist, as one who has hope. The reader learns at the very beginning that this is a coming-of-age story where a young woman falls in love with another young woman only to have her heart broken. Perhaps it's an all-too-common refrain that beloved is in love with someone else. The exceptionally good writing is what drew me in. Through this writing, I learned that this was a big love. The narrator, Nina, who is entering the last year of high school, falls in love with a slightly older girl named Sarah. Nina and her best friend, not Sarah, have gone to Cape Cod by the sea for the summer, where Nina is taking acting lessons. There is a convincing backstory about Nina. However, it was a big love that the narrator feels for Sarah that I was struck by. The novel is set in the Age of Aids, which is evident in the lives of the characters around them. Perhaps indicative of that time period, the narrator is not into labels. The reader finds out later that the narrator, Nina, has at the same time always had boyfriends so she can fit in at school. Hmm. The sarcastic part of my mind commented, Things haven't changed that much. What if we lived in a world where labels weren't necessary? This world is possible, as evidenced by the trueness of the author Tamsin Wolf, writing in her novel Juno Swans, as she describes Sarah's comfy feather bed. In it, we belong to each other, and nothing in the world could touch us. This is Janet Mason with commentary on queer life and leisure for This Way Out. These bills are absolutely logical. If your aim is to witch hunt single women who get pregnant or the queer community. A down under activist calls bigotry bigotry. But first, October's LGBTQ History Month may be officially over, but there's still a commemorative offer and lots of special programming at thiswayout.org. Right now, let's take a rainbow minute to remember the reminder. From Philadelphia to New York City, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. Starting in 1965, members from two American homophile organizations, the Daughters of Belitis and the Mattachine Society, came together every July 4th at Independence Hall in Philadelphia for an event known as the Annual Reminder. 
Here, men and women dressed in business attire and marched with picket signs to remind Americans that gays and lesbians did not enjoy basic civil rights. But on November 2, 1969, at a meeting of the Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations in Philadelphia, young Craig Rodwell proposed a change. He believed the movement needed a bolder action, a pride march, to be held in New York City to commemorate the Stonewall Rebellion on Christopher Street. It would be called Christopher Street Liberation Day. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me, Dustin Richardson. It's a great big world. If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Hey everybody, this is Leah Delaria. I'm Ellen DeGeneres. This is Janice Ian. We are the three And you are listening to This Way Out. This Way Out. This Way Out. You ain't gonna get this nowhere else. That was without cue cards, people. Stand in the end. You'll still be you. One that's done all the things you set out to do. Stand, there's a cross for you to bear Things to go through if you're going in anywhere There's backlash against advances for LGBTQ rights around the world. It often comes in the form of religious bigotry, cloaked in the guise of laws to allegedly protect religious freedom. Australian activists are now confronting a proposal for just that kind of law. The Religious Discrimination Bill is backed by the Prime Minister, opponents unaffectionately referred to as SCOMO. Scott Morrison was one of only four MPs to vote against marriage equality in 2017. He argued back then that lawmakers should vote on religious freedom protections at the same time. This way, House William Broom was in Sydney for a recent rally against the religious discrimination bill. He tells us that a UK-born teacher and activist named Moira gave one of the most rousing speeches. To use an Australian phrase, which I'm learning to do more and more, the religious freedom bills are nothing but a hot mess. And in the last couple of weeks, the liberal press and commentators have finally woken up to the myriad of issues that the bills throw up. That if these bills pass, the bigots can have power to abuse and bully their co-workers in the name of genuine religious belief. Yeah. Yeah. 
religious institutions can discriminate against vulnerable people desperate for health care. That these bills will override every single anti-discrimination law at state and federal level, level in Australia. But you see, the liberal press and commentators focus on the inconsistencies, the logical fallacies, the unintended consequences that might arise for, because of the poor drafting of these bills. I think the opposition to them, on the basis of inconsistencies, misses the point entirely. You see, I don't think these bills are illogical at all if you understand the real intent of ScoMo, Dutton, Porter and every right-wing Christian bigot praying for these bills to be even more discriminatory than they already are. These bills are absolutely logical. If your aim is to witch hunt single women who get pregnant or the queer community. These bills are absolutely logical if your aim is to empower and embolden bigots everywhere. These bills are absolutely logical if your aim is payback for the crushing defeat of the marriage equality vote and the longer changed rate in abortion laws in New South Wales. That's why the logic for our side, as David Shubridge said, is nothing short of outright opposition. <laughs> and we should have no truck with those who say that these bills can ever be a shield for religious minorities when we know full well that this shield is really a sword in the hand of rich Christian bigots who poured millions in the campaign against our right to marry, or the Roman Catholic Church who developed a conscious strategy of denial of their institutionalised sexual abuse under Pell in his Melbourne days. And it's an absolute shame, as other speakers have said, on Labour politicians for not standing up against these bigots. Their silence, their silence emboldens the bigots and the ones in their own party who campaigned against the decriminalisation of abortion only a few weeks ago. Shame on them for seeking to divide oppressed groups by feeding the racist myths that Muslims and other immigrant communities are the source of bigotry in our society. An absolute shame. And we should be in no doubt that ScoMo and the tiny minority in society who agree with him on this issue look to Trump for their inspiration. Just like the self-confessed sexual predator who presides over the USA, they want to seek out every manifestation of sexual and gender liberation and attack it. Rachel Colvin is maybe a name that you've not heard. She was a teacher at Ballarat Christian College who worked on and off at the school for 11 years. She's a devout and committed Christian who was sacked for the thought crime of privately supporting same-sex marriage. Yay! Even though she offered to stay silent about her personal belief about same-sex marriage, the college sacked her. They could not stomach 
even one of their own, not conforming to every single bit of their twisted bigotry and prejudice. The thing is though, we will not let them get away with this censorship and discrimination. And we must continue to amplify the voice of every healthcare worker, every teacher, every queer teenager fighting for sexual and gender liberation in Australia and around the world. In the 1970s, the great Harvey Milk, the first out gay man elected to San Francisco Council, talked about the need for everyone to be out to normalise our communities. We'd use the word usualise today. Today, we are certainly usualised in our, and our struggle is to stop the usualisation of those who dream of the dark days and pushing us back to those dark days. But the difference between the 1970s and today is the battle of Harvey Milk of the Stonewall queer youth and transgender activists, of our own Mardi Gras 78ers, those battles have changed the world so utterly that we know that we can win. <laughs> that we, in community action for rainbow rights, are determined that they will not force us back to the closets, they will not be allowed to empower the transphobic and homophobic bigots. And we will win this struggle, even if at the moment there's only a minority in Parliament who are with us in this fight. We need to send a message to everyone that these bills will not stop those of us on the right side of history. And to finish, we know that this is a message that is heard and understood and acted on. Ditch the Label, a campaigning group, surveyed over 1,000 teenagers in the UK and the US about their social attitudes. 57% of the 13 to 26 year olds they surveyed don't describe themselves as straight. 47% of them prefer not to define their sexuality. We live in a world where millions of young people, like those in this survey, are rejecting the labels that are put on us at birth, that are reinforced in children's books and toys, that are rammed down our throats in adverts and magazines and bigots like ScoMo and Trump and Orban and Bolsonaro. And we should take courage in our fight over that fact. And these, these young people are the same young people who lead our struggles for system change to stop climate catastrophe, who reject the racism of our government's refugees policy and continual genocide of indigenous people in this country, who urge us to believe that we can and will change the world. We need to be inspired by them and inspire them to continue to build a world where we are genuinely free to be the best versions of ourselves, whatever our religion, whatever our gender, whatever our sexuality. It's one struggle, one fight. Down with the bigots, or we fighting for a better world.
Check out William Broom's video of Moira at the rally in Sydney protesting Australia's religious discrimination bill on the This Way Out Radio Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in to This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Laura Dickinson Turner and Wenzel Jones, produced by Brian DeShazer, from Janet Mason, from Dustin Richardson, produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns, and with thanks to William Broom and Barry McKay. Sly and the Family Stone performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way out thanks to Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Ivana Foundation, the estate of Christopher David Trentum, Christopher Matthews, Richard Merck, and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley, and all of the listener donors who make this program possible, including you, we hope. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email TWORadio at AOL.com, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078-USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on KMUD, Arcata, Eureka, Laytonville, Garberville, Shelter Cove, California, WOMR, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 7RGY, Jeeveston, Tasmania, and a wide array of community radio stations and other outlets around the world, including this one. Please do stay tuned. This Way Out is a new uh, addition here to WJFF. We've just added it in the last month or so, along with Outcasting. Uh, we, uh, three, uh, three weeks out of the month, you'll hear This Way Out. Outcasting, uh, also another program for the LGBTQ community, specifically for LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, it's a part of how we bring the community voices together at WJFF, uh, bringing new voices to our own uh, radio station here, your community radio station. Uh, call us now at 845-482-4141 at WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AM 